Greetings, fellow primate. Welcome to another episode of The Maximum Project. I'm pleased to have you here. This episode is sponsored by my existence, which I'm yet to explain, but continue to navigate. Today we have Tushar Bajaj. Tushar used to be my boss. He's also someone I've always enjoyed speaking with. He is an executive leader at MSL, an integrated communications firm that's part of the Publicist Group, one of the big four communications firms globally. Not originally from a communication background, he dipped his toes in a bunch of ventures before landing in the field that has been home for the last decade. I'm yet to find a topic he can't talk about and a room that won't listen to him in rapt attention. Yes, he's smart and has a fantastic voice. You're in for a right treat on this episode, the double trouble. But most importantly, he's aggressively kind. Maintaining your composure is no mean feat, especially in the sometimes bizarre situations we inhabit. But Tushar has it down to an art form. In this chat, Tushar tells us about his approach to life, communication, balance, and composure. We've known each other for some time, so you may find that certain parts of the conversation may shortchange you because of a lack of context. But I think you'll find the sense of most of uh, the context, if not all of it. Enjoy this conversation with the Sharp Judge. Different roads. Different roads. One finale. What's this malarkey about anyway? Well, here's the deal. No one has the game figured out, and everyone's slicing the pie their own way. Welcome to the Maximum Project, where we find out how you can hack it the way you were meant to. Step into the unknown with confidence as we speak to all sorts to get the inside scoop on what makes them tick. Chat, chats. Insights only on TMP. All so you can make the most of you. Let's get maximum. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Maximum Project. Thank you for being here. Today I've got someone who I used to have the good fortune of speaking to on a daily basis when he was my boss. But uh, now I have to get him on a podcast <laughs> to ensure I have his time. Fishar, welcome to the show. Lovely being here. Thank you, others. Thank you so much for being on. I was quite pleased that you agreed. Oh, I'm quite excited. I think you do dive into some very interesting topics and it's it's a great opportunity to have a long conversation. So looking I think forward so. to it. I think so. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done one of these, so I think that'll be fun. But you know, we talked about diving right in, so let's do that. Um, sure. It's a weird time for even the misfits and the freaks among us. Um, neither of which I think you currently are, at least actively, <laughs> or in the public sphere. But yeah, if you had to tell me what on earth is happening right now, I'm an alien, I've landed on this planet right now, and you have to sum up in a, in a concise answer what is happening right now. I think concise answer is that humanity is getting a reality check. I think there was a lot of exuberance, there was a lot of uh, exploitation and while it's not directly related, I think just the understanding of how even the littlest things can bring us to a grinding halt across the board, I think that for a lot of people uh, is a reality check. I think that would be the, the easiest way to summarize it. Uh, and I think it will lead to a lot of changes uh, that every individual institution, government, everyone's going to have to go through. Uh, I don't think the impact of the last two years is entirely sunk in yet. And mm-hmm. and I, I, I think that's really going to play out over the next three, four, five years uh, in, in many ways, in the way that we change, in the way that the world evolves. But to an alien, couple, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> but to an alien, I think I'd like, what? how would you describe it? I think it's uh, it's really the the fear of the fear of not being able to do what you think you did every day or were easily uh, able to do before this that's really playing out and it's playing out in different ways there are people who are opposing it vehemently the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers and then there are the ones who are cooped up who haven't stepped out of their homes in two years now and mm-hmm. for each i think that's it's all coming out of that fear and that really is what you'd have to describe to someone who's, who has no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. 
I think what's happened is there is a certain learned helplessness that came with being in the world anyway because you consume media and you realize there's all these things you can't do anything about. And now it's just in your face because your circumstances have changed because of a situation we don't understand. But what's been your experience? Absolutely. My personal experience, I think it's definitely changed me as a person. I think I would, um, you know, it's, I was a regular traveler for work, even for pleasure, actually. I used to travel a fair bit. Uh, had, had long days going from meeting to meeting. Really thought one of my forties was charming people when I would meet them face to face. But the but the the last sort of two years has fundamentally changed that. Uh, not a huge fan of video calls. It's just not uh, something that I have not even grown to like. Like I've grown to dislike it even more, uh, given just how much <laughs> we've had to do it. <laughs> and uh, and so you know that that has really impacted me. Also, just appreciating you know little things. Uh, I don't think I've ever spent this much time alone with my family with my wife it's just never happened and it's uh it's opened um, a lot of new conversations a lot of new experiences that you wouldn't have otherwise had uh, mm-hmm. i've gone you know just rediscovered a passion for cooking actually it was a passion that i had that i thought i had never really practiced it which i got to do now i rediscovered uh, my love for music uh, not playing so much but i think that's the next step now i'm going to go back to playing some instruments so Oh, no, nice. these are things. These are things that wouldn't have happened uh, if it weren't for this, because the hustle and the just the the way that life was. The week was always running around, and then the weekend was just spent spent recuperating. There really wasn't too much else to discover. This forced situation has been good. And do you think uh, you could go back to the way things were? And I don't know if they'll ever go back to exactly how they were. I don't know if I'd want to. Uh, that's you know that's the first part. Uh, if it does inevitably happen, there'll still be things that that you would change about yourself, uh, and mm-hmm. you'd learn to slow down. You'd learn to appreciate the slower things, right? That's the the bigger learning, and mm-hmm. I that's I I don't see me myself going back to the sixteen hour, eighteen hour, nonstop days. It's just not going to happen i think there has been a fundamental change to the personality that's really nice to hear sir especially because i've known you for a while and i think you have a reputation to be this uh, epitome of endurance and uh, oh well, I think yeah i think uh, i think i mean people will also see it i also think that it's slightly misguided you know airlines and flight times and you know all of that force a different sort of image that people had of you uh, not always mm. the case i think i've always found opportunities to take little breaks to be just to be able to unwind that's always been important yeah. it was actually something a mentor of mine had taught me um, good 7 8 years ago saying you know the ability to switch off is as important as the ability to perform mm-hmm. you so know before I've been practicing this call us I think it's so important because I, I was going to listen to Paddy Upton talk about you know this India coach and Rajasthan Royals coach and I heard him talk about the same thing you said performance routines need to involve uh, systems for performance but also systems to switch off to give the people who are listening some context you know before they think that we're yeah, uh, em- em- emergency practitioners or <laughs> paramedics I think <laughs> what is it that you do that's so frantic and how did you get into it No it was uh, I mean just the digital communication space is uh, ever evolving uh, and in a city like delhi where you have two hour travel times one way uh, you have a number of different clients a number of different types of um, partners that you want to meet and engage with uh, the expectation that they have for you to show up at all times uh, that and then managing like uh, i think 200 250 people team across uh, across different cities all of that sort of added up and it's Jeez, it's 250 not, now uh, at that point yes there were now it's slightly lower i think uh, my roles also evolved now i don't look at the regions in the north and the uh, east anymore it's more focused on just the digital work so that's mm-hmm. changed 
but really it's uh, you know it's not it's not emergency services it's just been frantic because of more the passion and the interest and of course the demands of the industry as well but i think that's that with the experience that is now changing and i know you you didn't always work in communication but how did you get into it i think it was uh, my first sort of experience of communication was uh, when i was working with uh, venture capital and private equity association and this was during the financial crisis right after and i found it very interesting that a whole industry needed a very focused advocacy program uh, just to build positivity around what what they did and the power of communication really uh, became clear to me at that point and then the tools that were used there were awards and there were uh, recognition of the individuals and i thought that that uh, that entire mechanism uh, is something that it excited me it was a little different from your play sales roles that i had done before that and got me into uh, communications and then briefly uh, was trying to do smartphone apps as a service provider and these two you know when you put it together uh, digital communications became the obvious choice for me to really uh, grow my career in right and it's been what, almost 10 years now doing that almost 10 years yes almost 10 years yeah so tell me this right i i joined i mean i worked directly with you for a while <laughs> you know, and yes. then stuck around in in other capacities under your supervision for some time as well almost entirely due to your presence i don't think i was stuck around uh, in the interest of transparency for much longer i'd have probably left the, d- the day after you'd left um but one thing i think that stood out about you was your ability to provide clarity in any context and i don't think i'm the smartest person in most rooms but i'm not even close to being the dumbest and that in itself can be you know isolating sometimes but i found that you had a way of creating space for that and i've heard many people say that about you that you just seem composed and you're able to offer clarity i've, I've never heard you obviously frazzled are you as mm-hmm. composed as as you seem and uh, if you are well, how do you how do you, how are you that way <laughs> give us the secret i think i think uh, personally yes i i do feel that i am uh, i'm composed don't let too many things frazzle me uh partly because uh, you know it's it's about backing your own ability to come through situations to, to find solutions and i've been successful till now or well a majority of the situations where uh, i've been able to tackle unique circumstances or unique challenges so that sort of that's the first thing where you back yourself i think the second part is knowing that panicking is never really going to help it's never going to never going to help in finding a solution nor is it going to help in just tackling the problem at that point uh, or you know mm-hmm. so that just helps you uh, absorb a little more it's not uh, it's not unnatural in the sense that for most times i have been like this uh, what i have learned however is that you know i used i would react uh, as a child at least growing up i was told i have a short i had a short temper would very quickly react to things uh, mm. jump to conclusions so that knowledge and just the conscious effort in curtailing any sort of short outbursts of anger you know that also probably has played a role in keeping me calm in most situations now so i think that's one uh, clarity i think more forced than natural uh, it's i've been fortunate to you know it's been fortunate to uh, to have grown uh, in the profession quickly uh, and to be in decision making roles and when you have to be decisive i think clarity comes from that automatically so that's really what i would sort of summarize this as mm-hmm. these are the two things that would have helped me get to this situation Yeah this is the thing I'm talking about right when you said uh, the last part of what you said when you have to be decisive clarity comes automatically I I don't think it does a lot of cases you have to be decisive 
um, insecurity comes automatically, bad decisions come automatically. You know, I, I think to you maybe. Bad decisions can happen. But I think, I mean, you couple being decisive with backing your own, having confidence in your own ability, uh, then the clarity is there. It may not be right always. That's definitely not the case. Uh, but learnings, there are always learnings. So, But yeah. I, I mean, also don't shy away from changing or pivoting or accepting that you've gone wrong and doing something else. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Never, never do anything halfway. That doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, just go all in if you make a decision. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you give me so many tangents to jump off of, which is what the risk I was taking by speaking with you in the first place. Um, but I'm going to stick no, no. with one that comes through. I, I think stop. what you said is you've grown fast. Um, you, you're decisive. You bring clarity. And in the field we work in digital communication, you're managing at least around about 200 people more often than not. That doesn't happen without people buying into your role or what you have to say. I think with you, a big part of why people buy into it is there doesn't seem to be a vested interest in the counsel you offer or the solutions you make. Um, I don't sense that beyond the client or the person you're speaking with, you're trying to posture or position yourself uh, in any way. But I don't think at the same time you're not ambitious. You said, you know, you ha- were quick to react when you were younger. And then you made this effort to compose yourself and be a certain kind of person. So the first thing I want to ask you is what triggered you to start making that effort? <coughs> I think a um, couple of things. One... Um... I had this circle of friends, you know, one of the, as I was growing up in school and all of them far more outspoken than I was. So I, I was one of the quieter people there and that sort of, I, I always thought that that meant that I was more introverted and shy maybe. But as you break, break out of that, as you come into the professional arena, meet a lot of different people, a lot of different uh, situations come at you. The, the realization that people would listen and people would, would give you a, a ear, ear and they'd want to spend time understanding what you're saying, that sort of pushed me to being a little more uh, responsible and a little more deliberate about what I wanted to say at all times. And then knowing that I had a bit of a temper was something that I wanted to control. So I think that those two things came together where consciously I would take my time if there is something that was upsetting me, I'd pull away from that. Uh, Don't hold back from a debate, but not necessarily get into an argument, right? That sort of uh, mindset is what you'd want to get into. So that that probably led to to this. No, no analyst, so this is just my current sort of assessment of why it happened, but this will probably <laughs> be the reason. Yeah. And what about your uh, patience with people? How do you manage to hold space for respectful, open debate without jumping to conclusions about people and their competence? Because you work with people across a range of competences, you know, extremely. Um, athletic intellectually and otherwise. So are there systems or filters you use to keep that sort of composure? I think everyone has something to offer. There really is something or the other, some gem that will come from every individual. And you have to give them the time and space to bring that out. Some will some will hit you immediately. Some will take time uh, to emerge. And... The quest for that would probably be what what sort of allows for patience. After a point, you will you will know whether it's worth investing more time, not investing more time. But giving that time initially is very important with everyone. And I genuinely believe that there is something or the other that everyone has to offer. I think that's a valuable belief. That benefit, that's not a benefit of doubt. It's, I think it's actually a belief that people can provide value. What does that do to your hiring? I mean, you're a, you're also someone who hires people. 
everyone can add value. How do you decide how to hire I mean, one person over the other? I think that, of course, there are comparisons and you're, you're looking at people for specific skill sets, for specific roles. Uh, so you know what you're looking for at that point in time. Uh, that said, if you feel that a combination of people with different or complementary skill sets will fill the role better, then I think keeping your mind open to bringing in a combination, changing a few things just helps for a better team composition. And of course, it has to be within the larger organizational construct and the limitations uh, that organizations have. But it just it, if you have the flexibility, then you can make room for uh, changes and getting in people with diverse skill sets, diverse experiences. Hmm. And what makes you stick with people? You, you, give, you get them in. You say that everyone's got value to offer. But obviously, organizations are on some level machines while they have True. little empathy screens in the front. End of the day, the machinery has to run. What, we know why you pick people. We know what you do with them. What makes you stick with them? I think trust is the big one. Uh, and, you know, trust and then for people to demonstrate that they're in it for for a reason beyond just the paycheck. I think those are the two things that really become important because you enjoy working with people then. If, if it's only transactional, that's not fun. That's not, uh, it's not fulfilling. And I think it works both ways. If you're in it for a larger purpose, then it rubs off on other, other members of the team and it rubs off from them uh, on you. It pushes you to do more, do better. That's really what's important. Yeah. You know, you mentioned this to me when I first reached out to you as well about work. And you said, uh, and I talked to you after we'd started working together. I don't know if you remember this, but I asked you, um, what really puts you off about hiring people? And uh, you said there isn't much, but if someone asks for a specific title, they've lost a lot of points with you already. That's true. That's true. Uh, I think titles, I, they're earned. They can't be demanded. I think that's one thing. And even if you have one, right, if you don't live up to it, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So that's, which is why I have, I have this aversion to people who demand titles, but nothing wrong, nothing wrong if it if they feel that it helps them, uh, you know, project what they're doing better. Good for them, but they have to actually yeah. be doing it then. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm desperately trying to not eke something sensational out of you, but you know, but get a sense of also because I I don't think uh, you're not you are a straight talker. Despite all this belief, and you know, it's not that you're, you're molly coddling people. I mean, you've given stern feedback. I've had feedback from you as well. And in your career so far as a person manager, in the instances it hasn't worked, are mm -hmm. there any patterns you've spotted? The kinds of people it hasn't worked for? I think uh, one is cultural misfits. That becomes a bit of a challenge. Uh, People who are more I than the we, I think that's really something that it starts to bother you uh, after a point. It doesn't fit well with uh, the way that organizations should be set up, the way that teams will work, should work. And, you know, I've had played sports and I've uh, been in a band and, you know, all of those are inherently team activities where there is no room for the individual to really come out and shine right it's not mm -hmm. tennis or badminton it's team sports that i'm talking about so that's been the experience also the the learning and also from from the people where it hasn't worked i think it's more uh when it's been them thinking about themselves over uh the rest of the team hmm. Is, is life is life a team sport or a single-player sport, according to you? Life's actually a single-player sport. Uh, life isn't a team sport. And I say that because the one thing that really I've seen that people get upset with me and 
I've heard that, and I, I sort of boil it down to people having expectations. I don't think that's really <laughs> fair. Nicely distilled. <laughs> you, you shouldn't expect anything from anyone. It it gives you a lot of peace, and which is why I think it's a it's an individual sport. Yeah. How do you play it then? I mean, it's just weird, right? You have so many team contacts. You're an you're an individual, so it's uh, it's a, so slope. it's so what? See what? Uh, it's when I say it's in life is an individual sport. Is you know you are you are doing things that you feel will be right, and you know in different contexts you will have different types of let's say. I mean, in a professional capacity, in the current role that I have. Yes, teams are critical, but the work that I did before this, which was, you know, channel sales, uh, working with distributors and retailers and investment advisors across the board, that was a very individual role. Uh, but then mm-hmm. that was about building the relationships externally. This is more about building internal relationships as well as external relationships. The the sort of the one thing that you have to continue to do is. Find what's in your best interest. See what you enjoy doing, uh, and whatever it requires, then for you to change in the way that you're dealing with other people, those are changes that you have to make along the way. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, I mean, and and specifically, why when I say life is a individual thing is because it really does come down to how you want to live it, right? If if your dependence on others is very high, inevitably you set yourself up for failure at some level. Mm. So the more, the more sort of, the more you can depend on your own self, uh, and it doesn't mean that you don't have be social. It doesn't mean that you don't have you know relationships beyond that. It just means that your internal dependence or uh, your sort of self confidence should be far higher than uh, our requirement of validation from external sources at all times. Yeah. I feel that, especially in this profession, because a lot of the work we tend to do can rely on, you know, building audiences, audience engagement, a lot of external validation, client approval, (laughs) you know. I think it's even more important to build that internal locus of control um, where you have a sense of respect and comfort within yourself. And then what happens outside is sort of, well, not the noise, but can't define who you fundamentally are. So I think self-awareness for you is fairly high. I think so. I don't know if it is. I know that's how you come across. But assuming I'm going to make up an index because it's a world where you can make up data, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and alternate data as well. Yeah, yeah. Or just... Uh, Put your own, I think, oh, I, I can't make that joke on, on camera, so maybe later. Um, so, <laughs> assuming 10 is as self-aware as you could possibly be, and one is not self-aware at all. I mean, this question presupposes your levels of self-awareness already to answer it accurately. But how, how self-aware would you be, would you say you are? Six and a half, seven, in that range, I would I would put it that in that range. There are things yeah. that... Surprise! I mean, I surprised myself. Like I was telling you, you know, always thought I'd enjoy cooking. Had this passion of becoming a chef at some point. Never actually did right. it, but but uh, but yeah. During the last two years, I have tried my hand at it. Turns out to be quite decent, if I say so myself. Because I wasn't cooking for too many other people, so hard <laughs> to say. <laughs> yeah. What's your uh, strongest dish that you could uh, you do you do if your life was depending on it? I I I try my hand at a butter chicken. I think that would be the go-to. Nice, <laughs> nice. So now probably, working with that. Sorry, probably came from the fact that I was missing it the most. So I'd imagine so. But were you a takeaway guy before the pandemic? Yeah, I'd say half my meals would have been from outside. Lunch pretty much every day anyway. So oh, jeez, right. That's a big nice change, right? Eating yeah. at home and cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So now working with that self-awareness, right? What do you think? Mm-hmm. You you talked about knowing what you need, how you'd like to do something. 
And I feel like that's a question everyone seems to have. At least everyone I know seems to have, which is a still a you know, small fraction of people who exist. But how did you figure it out? If you figured it out? I don't think I've figured it out. I think there are some things that I want, that I know I want. And some, you know, some that you just let things also happen. It's important for the world to take shape around you as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, for example, I know that traveling is something that I have enjoyed. And it's not something that I, mean, I, I could do for the first couple of roles that I had didn't have a lot of travel involved. But uh, the work that I do now allows me to travel a fair bit. And it's it's sort of fueled into the interest. And I've also pushed to increase the travel uh, with the work that I have, right? So it sort of plays back and forth. So that's one thing uh, where I know what I want. And it's sort of also things have allowed for that to happen. Uh, in terms of sort of long-term learning, I think being in a contemporary industry, uh, which was evolving, it was fast-paced, uh, not being in a legacy sort of, at some point I wanted to do economics and work in an investment bank. And I think fortunate that life took this turn. Uh, and, you know, being in, in something that is contemporary is important. And I think it helps. Yeah, but see, that, that was about what I want. Now, how much as I wanted, right? What eventually happened then is something that life has happened and I've let it happen and take me to where uh, I've come. Mm -hmm. So don't think I've entirely figured it out, but there are some some thoughts that may help me get there. I don't know if that answers the question, though. I think it it sort of does. Yeah, but if you have more thoughts, we, we can go with those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it does. You know, um, another, I, I keep telling you, and I used to tell you this when you spoke earlier as well. And I think for me, I, I have so you select few people in my memory. Um, because mm -hmm. I don't have that much room. I don't know if it's because my memory is poor or my attention is great. But um, I only hold room for 10 to 15 people in my head. Um, and I don't know why, but you've, I, I know why, but you've always been in that list. And I think you'll continue to be for a long time. Um, the clarity of your thought is one big part. The time you give people in distress, another. And the amount of space you're able to hold for things that are not working out. I mean, I remember I asked you the second month we'd met. And because that's the sort of thing I would do, you know, instead of asking you how I can grow in the company and ask you things about how you think about life. And I asked you, what would you do if you were not working this job right now? And you said you do a PhD in digital anthropology because communities are now more distributed and concentrated because of technology. And you want True. to understand the shift in culture. Yeah, I mean, I, stuff that, still, my head. <laughs> that, that still interests me. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm sure you've seen this floating around, right? Uh, Facebook's now probably the biggest single population and it connects the world in a way that's never been connected before. There's no identity associated with it. And of course, now mm -hmm. it's changed and there are smaller communities and more interest space and so on. But fundamentally, geography has no role to play in forming communities anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't know your neighbors. I, I don't think that's applicable. So... An area that I still still want to really explore and see what what that what changes that brings, and I'm sure there are there are already studies happening, but as and when I find time, I want to dive deep into that. Yeah, I can see you doing that. I, I, you know, I back you to at least eventually when you free up time to focus on other pursuits and even more self actualization. I feel like that's going to happen. But I want to stay with the anthropology idea because I am interested in mm -hmm. how you define and process human beings as an entity. I mean, there is the house plants with emotions, Instagram school of thought, and then there's the spiritual beings having a physical experience, stoner crowd, and then there's the, there is no meaning, stick around, do what you can. But first, I want to ask you, which side of the nature versus nurture debate are you on? Are you on the tabula rasa camp or are you in the people are pre-programmed in some way to go a certain way? I think I think there has to be a mid uh, path. There is really no uh, ex external stimuli definitely shape what you turn out to be. 
Uh, there's no debate to that. And fundamentally, some people are a certain way. So I, I'm if I was to pick a side, like if you'd really put a gun on my head and say pick one, I'd go with the nurture because I think that that's most people. Uh, they they are impacted with by society, by what they learn, what they see, and eventually leads to the actions that they take in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would I would let, uh, if it was my choice, I'd let more natural instincts come out. Uh, I think it'd just make for a funner world. <laughs> oh, gee, I don't know which instincts those are, but yeah, I see what you're no, no, no matter what it is, right? Otherwise, you're just creating carbon copies of exactly the same types of people, the same types of thinking, the same ambition. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Carbon copies of carbon-based life forms. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of life, Tushar? Uh, I think it's... You're here for a while, right? It's not... In the bigger scheme of things, one human life is insignificant. So enjoy it, because that's your conscious memory, I think. Having fun, enjoying it. Uh, if it helps leaving a legacy, if you can do something like that, great. I'm not a big uh, believer in legacies. I think anyway, history tends to get rewritten very quickly now, and now even faster now. So really, it's about having fun. It's about enjoying the time that you spend here. Yeah, and how, given what you do, is is you know, <laughs> digital I, communication. I'm, see, I enjoy the work. Like it, it allows me to learn. You work with different industries. Your clients are from all kinds of industries. They have all kinds of different challenges. Uh, you work with an ever-evolving landscape. So just keeping up uh, and learning every day is really what... And there's just so much to learn. There is just so much information out there. <clears throat> That's what I enjoy. Uh, and I like communicating with people. I mean, as a bit of a contradiction, I'm not a very heavy social media poster. Like I'm more mm -hmm. the con consume content, uh, occasionally put out content uh, in that bracket. But uh, I do enjoy uh, human connection. I do enjoy conversations. Uh, and this allows me to do that far more than, uh, say, if I was doing banking. I'm assuming, uh, not, that, uh, not that I've experienced that myself. But so that's really where... Uh, I mean, that's that's how the job plays into it. And if I wasn't yeah. enjoying it, right, then I wouldn't be doing it. Oh, yeah, 100%, I think. But, you know, I, I find that, especially in the sort of work we do with kind of purveyors, strategists, and consumers, I mean, we're also consuming information, creating, it's a lot of time spent around information, right? Oh, yes. And, yes. and that can shoot people's... Uh, attention spans it can get them distracted it can create discontentment so as a person on the inside you know how near al uh, wrote both in that indistractable and hooked he wrote mm -hmm. both, two mm -hmm. books he wrote uh, hooked first about creating addictive products then indistractable after to get people to resist products and both were new york times bestsellers so do you have like an insider scoop on how people can build a better relationship with distraction that's an interesting question. I think distractions can also be planned, right? So what helps, for example, is if you're an avid gamer, mm -hmm. I think a, a 10 minute, and depends on the kind of games, etc. but a 10 minute game every 45 minutes, every two hours, whatever may, may work for you, it'll just help, uh, it'll help the distraction will help. It's uh, and it's not something that you default to if you are doing it regularly enough, right? So uh, it's not that now suddenly you've given up on something and you've gone to your distraction and then you stay engrossed with that for ages. So that's probably the only inside scoop that I would have from my own experience. <laughs> but uh, I I do actually I spend a lot of time trying to minimize distraction, um, you know, if it means but short bursts of high-focus uh, periods, 
But mm -hmm. if it means switching off the internet to write something out, uh, just do that. You know, no pop-ups, no nothing else. Or if it means just stepping out and doing it on a paper and a pen instead of a laptop, then using that as a method. So that's more sort of the challenge I face and some of the tricks that I use keep the distraction yeah. out. But I do think that, uh, you know, online especially, when you say distraction, I think it can also be mean opening your mind to completely new subjects, opinions, topics, which are coming in from different sources. And I think that it's increasingly important for people to keep room for that, to be conscious about it and to do it because of just the way, you know, social media is going and the way that we are creating closed communities or, you know, and forget the exact term, but essentially sort of self-validating opinions and not echo really chamber? echo chambers. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think yeah. Yeah, so consciously staying, consciously seeking distraction, I think is an important aspect of how we should be consuming information today. Yeah, it's so valuable. You know, one thing I did was I deleted uh, the personalization settings on my YouTube and on Google. Mm -hmm. You go into the dashboard and take it off. So now I never get uh, videos based on what I've seen before. Um, and that's been a game changer because otherwise I just convinced myself I was I, I enjoyed uh, snooker and cupcakes. But <laughs> it turns out those are not my only two interests. <laughs> I think the one thing that's helped me is uh, so I have an Instagram profile for my uh, pet and that's a completely different uh, <laughs> content feed from my own and you know that sort of really gives you a, a good glimpse into a world that you would have otherwise not seen i'd imagine so could you tell us a little bit about your pet just for context so he's a, a toy palm eight years old uh it's called laddu which is a indian dessert and <laughs> You know, the size, the shape, he's just adorable. And I mean, I, he's one of the biggest things that has helped us through this pandemic. You know, I, he's been at home. I don't know how he's going to take it, actually, if we start going back to office. I haven't thought about that. But uh, 30 minutes with him, that's just the most peaceful that you'll get anywhere. So that's really fun. Yeah, no, I'd imagine so. Tell me this, Ishar, now you've gone from a few areas of work you've stuck with this for a long time and you have certain things you want to do as well right um do you have a vision for a, a certain kind of life or a certain kind of day what what are the filters you use to decide what direction you're going in i think uh, at some point in my head i had sort of broken life up into decades and you know the 30 to 50 is the peak work decade. Like you put, mm -hmm. put your best efforts in and you want to make the most of your professional career in this, in this period. I, I think I had a lot of fun in my 20s, really enjoyed it, uh, which, which should be the case. A lot of experiences, a lot of different things. And I, I think it's now it's about going as far as you can within your professional careers over the next 10, 12 years. And post that, finding something that is more uh, more fulfilling on other aspects. So if it's just travel that I, I want or if it's just something else, then mm -hmm. that's that's something that I will want to do post these next 10, 12 years. I think that's how I've broken life up. Uh, still trying to figure out exactly what that may be. But uh, just uh, know that I, I'd want to sort of take a step back after that point. What's your take on the possibility that we might not have that time after? Or we might not have until then? I mean, I'm just talking about it. I have a friend who said that uh, you're okay if you plan till 90 and live till 50. The problem mm -hmm. will arise if you plan till 50 and live till 90 because the society doesn't like bankrupt old people that much. That's but true. What is your take on that? I think, you know, as that's a scenario that exists for everyone all the time, right? 
anything can happen. But you can't not plan. So mm-hmm. have a plan, stick to it. If if an unknown unknown becomes a known unknown, right, then you try and change your plan. But otherwise, there's no real reason to suddenly uh, do something else, do something differently. Yeah. It's a. I mean, the, the I I don't necessarily subscribe to the philosophy that you you have only a day, or you only live once, and so you must, you know, you have to care for your health. You have to at least assume that you will have a long, happy life and work towards that in everything that you do. Yeah, you know, whenever someone's told me life isn't long, and I've asked them to hold a two-minute plank. then that discussion's over you know because <laughs> the thing is <laughs> it's very long or uh, i know watch watch houseful 2 i think uh, I, i don't i don't know if i wa- i watched five minutes of that movie and i think it felt very very long but <laughs> you know i think life is a lot longer than we expect it to be and i was talking to a friend the other day and uh, a different one because i have more than one friend this is sort of work i put into my life <laughs> and we are talking about uh, adulthood maturity people keep saying why are you so mature and i was just i just said to him that i i feel that adulthood is just two things it's acknowledging your discomfort and uncertainty and realizing it's not anyone else's problem i think you're if absolutely you... correct i think that hits the nail on the head it's uh, it's it is just that because I think in many ways I would still consider myself to be a child I think uh, I, and that gives me joy I think enjoying the little things being able to celebrate the little things uh, that's really the the fun of life I think that's what keeps you going uh, and if you take that away and everything becomes too serious it's not uh, then it's not really uh, fulfilling so Yeah, but acknowledging un- that uncertainty is is entirely your headache. That's really the the only thing that differentiates a child from <laughs> from an adult. I think so. I think around twelve is when you develop a sense of the fact that what I am feeling is not what everyone else is feeling currently. Um, okay. Which is why my plans for invisibility didn't pan out. Of you know, putting ah. myself under a blanket and thinking I can't be seen. I think uh, that that fell through very quickly as, as people started spotting my tactics. So I think yeah. as an adult, some people try those things, you know, and uncertainty is dis- uncertainty is distressing for sure. For people, I I've been through, you know, well before we met, um, on medication mm-hmm. for anxiety and depression, um, panic attacks frequently. I haven't talked about it extensively before, but it's something I'm starting to talk about more. You know, depersonalization. Um, people start to look like dolls in meetings because I just. Um, had that level of uh, internal distancing from a lot mm-hmm. of areas, so mm-hmm. people perceive me as say absent. I was just extremely distressed, and I think different people handle uncertainty differently. Um, what's worked best for you in that regard, and what's your advice to someone who's starting off their career who's struggling with uncertainty? I'm not suggesting we tackle pathology in this conversation, but I think. Uh... you know it's it's a difficult one but having the right balance between making life happen and letting life happen is really the key and mm-hmm. if you force the if you force too much of your life the the uncertainty is never going away but if you force too much the uncertainty tends to become something that bothers you a lot so if you are accepting the fact that life will happen on its own as well uh, i think that allows you to tackle uncertainty a little better than if you were trying to force things that that would be my sort of my take on on this mm-hmm. yeah i think that let, that letting go can be so scary for a lot of people right i'm sure it it's, it's, it it is and with with good reason as well You know, I'm going to do a variation of that uh, three things you can take to an island thing, and I asked my okay. my previous guest jumped on that, and 
or he went on a bizarre tangent talking about how when he was in his teens, he said one of the things was like a hot girl. And he said, but then a few days later, if she wasn't hunting, it wouldn't really help me. And it was just strange. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's the funniest things. But tell me this, assuming that your future is an island and the mm-hmm. things you can take are three attributes of yourself today, what would you take into the future of yourself that gives you the best shot at getting through it? Oof, an interesting one. I think the first would be the ability to enjoy and celebrate the little things. I think that that really will help with whatever the situation may be, right? Even if it's the lack of a bad loss, you may be able to enjoy that. So that would be one. Just a little better than the last loss, right? Even that you can celebrate. So that would definitely be one. I think the other would be to just connect with people. Uh, I think to empathize, to engage, socialize, that would be another important one. And the third, I think, just good health, hopefully. That's critical. Those would be the ones that I would think of. Physical, mm-hmm. mental, just, yeah, stability. Yeah, physical health, mental health, and connection with people, I think. That's what it boils down to. Anyone listening, we're talking to the leader of... Uh, Listed companies, a communication firm, and he hasn't mentioned uh, masochism, power, and uh, extreme control over everyone. So, if you're taking notes on how to grow fast, I suggest Ex- that you take a look, extreme, look con- extreme control over everyone. <laughs> extreme that, control over everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that actually that's an uncertainty that freaks me out. <laughs> it's because you're not going to achieve it, and if you have a desire for it, it's it's just going to be a problematic few years. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, th- I think it's a horrifying thing. I, the idea is like your mind is a fantastic trickster and you're its, you're its most gullible victim. Mm-hmm. The idea that this dance is constantly what's going to happen. And Christian Ryan says that in Sex at Dawn. He says, uh, just, when the light, just when I learn how to dance, the lights come on. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I, every five or six months. It is, right? Yeah. Because yeah, the thing is, yeah. Every five or six months, I find myself in what I call uh, very articulately, articulately the buffoon loop, which is where I find a new piece of wisdom that tells me the last six months were mildly misguided. And uh, I've just told myself that uh, it's a good sign. I think it's, it's learning, of course. There's a lot of wisdom around. There's a lot of people with experience. Take the, I mean, you, and honestly, you can't take everything from everyone, right? So... If it helps you make little changes, great. If it just if it gives you something that to talk about also, I mean, I think that's also a great thing to have. I mean, the ability that you have to remember uh, and really take forward some of these learnings, I think it's phenomenal. And and you know, I envy people who are able to do that because you know, the quotes that I remember are Mark Twain on be what I think it's better to be a good liver than to have one. And those, those are the types of ones. <laughs> That's the sort of stuff that sticks in my head. So, <laughs> Oh, that's really good. You know, um, uncertainty. I'm kind of stuck on that idea. And, and yeah, I think I, I'm fortunate to show because I ask a lot of questions and people give me interesting answers. And, you know, I, I think mm. I'm fortunate to, like you said, everyone's got something to offer. And that offering almost entirely is centered on the uniqueness of their story. And I've just found there are no boring people. They're just bad questions. And no, I think over time. You're absolutely right. And I think everyone will have little nuggets and little gems from their own experiences. It's uh, asking the right questions. Also, uh, I think the one thing that I would say is the ability for you to make other people comfortable. That, that's very, very important as well. So I have seen that uh, even earlier. Uh, it's something that you would do with pretty much anyone, be it external folks, team members, peers, and you may or may not like them, but they would still feel comfortable at that point when they're having that conversation. Yeah. 
I tend to I tend to distance my assessment of people from my interaction with them because I feel like those are two mm-hmm. separate separate experiences entirely. I, I I'd like to think over time that compassion is a hard skill I'm working on because I recognize that it's a valuable skill and everyone's uh, on this confused little blue dot together. So we've just got to <laughs> that's true. Keep some room for that. What, do, do you have a vision to share? Like, what, do you have an ideal life that you have? Uh, in in mind of how you'd like this to turn out uh, retire in the hills that's really the the one thing that i want to do uh nothing beyond that i think i mean personal life of course you know family etc uh, do want those things but uh, just get to a stage where i'm happy in, and can live quietly uh, peacefully uh not not in the hustle bustle of a city away from that i i love the hills so that's really been the dream oh, so I, i hope that's for um, you and no no ambitions of world peace nothing of this nope. sort <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think world hunger world peace any anything with the prefix world is is just not a worthy goal to set true true it's a i mean it's some people who do have those ambitions and they can work towards it great i rather not stress myself out trying to achieve things like that simpler smaller things which yeah. is why it's more you know the going back to the it being a individual sport so you need to know mm-hmm. what your victory lap is basically yeah slice your own pie though your own way that's one mm-hmm. of the things i was trying to do with the maximum project you know i grew up being told life is lived a certain way and by people who haven't figured it out and if you have a headless chicken working part time as a gps it becomes problematic you know because it's just <laughs> just saying <laughs> so that's one of the things i'm doing speaking to people from all sorts of uh, you know parts and hopefully get people oh, sure that yeah i think it's a i mean it's a great method for discovery and also the way you're doing it, it it's allowing for a lot more people to and and then i suppose what people will realize is that there is no set path and that gives them the confidence to create their own yeah yeah that's that's the basic idea yeah what's a what's a good day for you to show besides a podcast episode with me <laughs> <laughs> i think a good day uh, you know you, uh, you feel productive and you feel like you've learned something new uh, i think those would be the two real uh, real sort of metrics professionally and i think you know 30 minutes 40 minutes if you've managed to have a good laugh with friends those it, you put all those three things into one day not that's probably the best day possible you've done okay you've done okay i like that you said productive and not busy though i like that yeah, yeah true no it's yeah. being busy is not productive i i don't subscribe to that at all you can be <laughs> you can be very busy and be completely unproductive at the same time so yeah and what's a bad day assuming the corollary is not without having those things what is like uh, the things you need to have to have a bad day i think a bad day would be high stress uh, let's say bad news high stress uh, not being there for someone who needs you emotional need uh, i think those are the things that would make a bad day Like yeah. the guilt, the guilt of not being there for people would probably be the highest, the biggest uh, factor in some, me calling some a bad day, something a bad day. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, outside of yourself. For for someone who says a single player sport, there's a lot of focus on things beyond yourself. It's, uh... it's see, it's because I mean, you want to you want to keep people happy, right? It's It's okay for you to not have expectations but they do and I why as hard as I try I can't change that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a chance to be there for people. Oh, what's your message to uh, share about people confused about what paths to take? People some, you know, someone looking at the listening to this who's a bit stuck. I think um what is my message? I think the biggest thing that would be to embrace what life throws at you i think that 
don't try and fight that. That's the first part. Make the most of what's coming your way. Uh, and don't be afraid of experimenting. I think there is no other way to discover uh, what you want to do. There's no, there's no magic pill. So mm-hmm. experiment and make the most of what's happening around you, what's coming your way. Hmm. I think that's a powerful enough message. And yeah, I think <laughs> I would echo the same thing. Yeah, just uh, make the most of you, but first figure out who you are. And otherwise, making the most of you is just... Maybe oh, absolutely. Yes. Else. I think knowing knowing yourself can be, you know, some people can be very sure of, of the fact that they know everything about themselves, but they may be wrong. Uh, so yeah. that's also part of the discovery. But I, I, do, I don't think that uh, forcing yourself to really know what you want to do, uh, that's not really going to be a, successful endeavor or maybe for a very very small percentage and i think having the flexibility and uh, and being open-minded is important and it it should be the way that society also allows you to grow yeah yeah it doesn't always allow that room but i think yeah. if, you, if you're able to create that space create it if you can find it find it and if you can't then just work on acceptance i think because you know <laughs> what, what do you do right what do you do True. Um, it's a really Absolutely. cool line towards the end of Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography, Open. I don't know if you've read it, but uh, you know, it's no. spectacular read. In the end, he says, uh, you know, you can either have the life you choose, but, and I paraphrase aggressively here, but he says he's chosen the life he has and is just as powerful. It's the action of choosing is what shifts his view entirely. I think, yeah, that. That is powerful. It was coming from him. He did. He did marry Steffi Graf, and you know he had <laughs> win grand slams. good job, Andre. <laughs> yeah, uh, choose, choose my samosa and my nap. <laughs> I do think that uh, yeah, choose the life you have or accept. That's contentment is important, right? I mean, yes, ambition should be there, but you should also be content with what what you have. Yeah, and contentment is not defeat. You know, I think I've been at trap for a long time. I, you know, I used to wake up saying, if I feel satisfied today, I've lost the battle. <laughs> and the thing is, <laughs> that's a very masochistic thing to kind of put yourself I, through. I, you know? I genuinely think that uh, this is the one thing that the pandemic will change. I think people will be content with a lot, a lot more content with the things that they have than they were before this. And I think that's, uh, sort of a discovery that humanity will make and we'll see its impact you know on climate on all sorts of things but each individual will learn to be happier and more content yeah I, I desperately hope so because it, I think it bleeds in as much as that single player thing you talked about I think even team sports are single player sports because at some point you do your role well uh, with the view of the larger goal in sight and it just works I think a content world will outpace a aggressively ambitious one i don't true, think true. ambition is going to move us forward um progress is not peace and that that, that conundrum has to has to come to a head at some point yeah yeah true, true. absolutely if all that was left of your life was a telegram what mm-hmm. would i say hmm I think something along the lines of thank you, thank you for listening, for being there, for supporting, for accepting, and that that pretty much would be the message. I think a lot of gratitude. Yeah, I'm fairly certain from what I've seen of you that the, the responding telegram might be the same. <laughs> they just kind of like write it back to you and say, well, he might not receive it. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to say that to you, Tushar, as we come to an end of this, this, this conversation that, you know, yeah, thank you for listening and making time and uh, being open on this conversation. I'd love to have you back on. You will be willing to do so at some other point in the future. 
Oh, very happy to. Thank you uh, for having me. And uh, I think some some very interesting questions. Other some that I didn't think about myself till we had this conversation. So a lot of thought starters for me. So maybe I'll have more structured answers and maybe some more learnings and revelations about myself if we do this another time. I <laughs> know. I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't structured and. You know, I, I frequently I, I sent you talking points, but I, I digress because I told you we'd meander a bit. But uh, that's I mean, it was it's a good conversation, certainly. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, hey, hey! Thanks for sticking around to listen to that little meander with Ashar. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you got something out of it too. If you are new to the Maximum Project, welcome. We are on a mission to help warriors win with discipline and perspective. Because no matter what you think, you're not alone in your struggles, my little friend. Uh, you're not unique. No, actually, you are. But if you've been around for a while, thanks for sticking around. As you always know, known, nude. We have a weekly newsletter, we have an Instagram page, and we have a website, www.themaximumproject.com. I will continue putting these messages out so you know that we can keep going because we're here and we're going to make the most of it. Until I see you, hear you, smell you, that's about it, I think. Next time, stay kind, stay inspired, stay fantastic. Lots of love. Let's get maximum. Bye.